the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have got an ooky spooky episode for you. Uh, it's ooky and they're kooky. I can't remember whatever it is. But we are doing an <laughs> Adam's Family episode. We are going to break down the 1991 film, The Adams Family. Uh, then we are going to review the 1992 to 1993 Adams Family animated series. Um, I actually had to double check with John about which one we were doing because uh, there's a lot, there's multiple Adams Family shows out there. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh shit, are we going to do the original one from the 60s? I was like, well, that, that, we shouldn't do that because we're not, we're not, we don't, not a 60s nostalgia park podcast. We're 80s, 90s, and some 70s. Um, but then there was a early 70s cartoon. But no, we're going to do the one from 92 that came about from the popularity of this film. So just kind of tied in. And I do, that's the one I, I was hoping anyway because I do remember watching that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And then all of that, we are also going to recast a new live-action Adams Family sh- uh, movie uh, using actors of today. Now, I do know, uh, you know, we're not stupid. We know <laughs> that a new Adams Family movie, which was an animated, computer-animated one, has come out recently. Uh, you know, this has no ties to that. I specifically tried to make sure to not use any actors that are doing voices for that, even though I kind of think some of them would be pretty darn good in the roles. Mm-hmm. But I, I specifically tried not tried to stay away from casting any of them, is all I'm going to say. You don't have to say anything if, if you don't want to. John. Okay. Then I won't say anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe you, well, you have to say something later, just not now. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, the Adams family, they are like the first family of oddball Halloween people, you know, pretty much them and the Munsters. But I always felt the Adams family was obviously much more popular. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just to overall talk about the Adams family they originally were a cartoon strip written and and I think drawn by the cartoonist uh, Charles Adams that's where he got the Adams family from yeah uh, but they were in the New Yorker which honestly I had no idea about that before I did some research on this one like I hadn't the New Yorker is known for like highbrow cartoons right I didn't think the I the Adams family was supposed to be like a highbrow cartoon but uh, I guess so <laughs> But it's kind of like a parody of suburbanite life, almost kind of like, you know, how Edward Scissorhands was and yeah. seeing, you know, kind of like that. Li- I mean, maybe that, that was some inspiration from Adam's Family that Tim Burton had for that movie. Um, but it's kind of very much like that. So I can, can see how the New Yorker might see like, oh, OK, here's here's a quote unquote normal suburban family. But obviously they're not normal at all. They're and the antithesis of normal, really. Right. So that's how it started. And the first instance of the Adams Family being used as a cartoon uh, was from 1938. So, yeah, they, they started off uh, a long time ago. And then they had their first television show, which this is actually a pretty big cult favorite. A lot of people think of, when I think of Adams Family, honestly, I don't think of a New Yorker cartoon strip. Right. I think of, like, when I think classic Adams Family, I think of the old TV show that, was, that ran from 64 to 66. Yeah. Same. Um, and they had some other, you know, bits and, and pieces into pop culture. They had a animated series in 73. Uh, they had, you know, some different 
TV specials and made for TV movies, uh, one in 77. Then they had the animated series from 92 to 93 that we'll be talking about. They had the movie in 91 and then a follow-up, actually two follow-ups, uh, one theatrical and then I think another one that starred Tim Curry. I think that one was straight to video called Adam's Family Reunion later. Yeah. And then uh, there was also another TV show in 1998 to 99 uh, that ran, actually it ran for one more episode than the original show did. The original show only ran for 64, and the quote-unquote new Adams Family, which I also remember seeing because it ran on, uh, I think it was ABC Family or something like that, or Fox Family, I think it was, the Fox Family channel, um, and it had 65 episodes. I would say you know, it, was, it was enough of a success. And then now in 2019, they have a new animated film as well. So, like, Adams Family keeps popping up in pop culture. Yep. Uh, but let's let's reel things back to 1991 because that's the movie that we're talking about. That's the one that we watched when we were kids. Yep. Let us know what else happened around the year 1991. Well, the movie came out November 22nd of 1991, which is weird. You'd think they would have tried to make it out for Halloween. I guess they didn't think about it or maybe it was late. Yeah. I mean, as we, you know, we'll talk about it in there. It actually starts off in Christmas time. So I guess maybe they were pushing for a Christmas movie. That's true. Even though there's there's not much Christmas themes other than that very first opening part. Right. Which is kind of strange, but yeah, you know, whatever. I, I've realized like in some of the other like movies that I've just checked out and looked about, you know, some that I thought would be absolute Halloween style aren't at all or like aren't aren't released around Halloween. I think Hocus Pocus was released like in the summer. Yeah. If we talked about that. And like that's an obvious. Hell, that's even more Halloween themed than this one is. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I guess movie movie uh, companies just don't give a shit and they're just going to they're going to put them out whenever they think they can make the most money. OK, uh, it came out November 22nd of that year and the Billboard Top 100 single of that week. It's a classic. When a Man Loves a Woman by Michael Bolton. When a man loves a woman Can't keep his mind on nothing else he the world for the good things oh, when a man loves an atom, it's the best thing in the world. Is that, that how, how it goes? We'll we'll say yes. Yeah, good enough. When a man loves an atom, I don't know. Actually, I might, <laughs> that's confusing things in my head. My wife might be confused about that. Then I'm gonna. Just retract all of that and just, uh, yeah, good song. That's a good song there, John. I'm uh, I'm pretty sure your wife is the least confused person in your household. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey-o. Uh, I took a look and I wanted to see what was topping the Nielsen ratings of that same week. Oddly enough, it was a made-for-TV movie uh, called In a Child's Name, starring Valerie Bertinelli, the queen of made-for-TV movies, <laughs> yeah. and a guy named Michael Antkian, who I'd never heard of. Interesting. Finally, something that uh, was a little bit more personal to you and me, uh, Adam, 1991, I believe February of 1991 was the publication of New Mutants number 98, mm. which is the first appearance of our hero, Deadpool. Our, our anti-hero, if yes. you will, but yes, we, we love... We love us some Deadpool. He is uh, both of our favorite Marvel character. I I will say around 2011, I just I haven't really read much of his comics. Yeah. But for me, and it's going to be really hard for like any run to to really beat. Now there's two just absolute fantastic runs of Deadpool. In my opinion, I love the Joe Kelly run. That was like his first like kind of comical to really set up a lot of stuff about him. But you and I both adore the Cable and Deadpool series yeah. that ran for a few years. And that, there's just some amazing storylines in there. A lot of depth you get with Deadpool that honestly I don't think you get with nowadays. 
with, with, with much Deadpool, especially when he just does cameos. Because like around the 2011, 2012 spot, he just started making cameos all over the place. And no one knew how to write him. They just kind of brought him in as like a quirky, ridiculous person for like a you know, for a comic or two, you know, in their own series, right. and it just didn't work. And so I got sick of them. Um, not, I mean, I didn't get sick of Deadpool. I love Deadpool, but I just kind of stopped reading every. I used to, like, check every single book that Deadpool was on, and I would, like, buy it and just be like, oh, my gosh, yeah, Deadpool's in this one. Oh, he's he's guest starring in this other one um, or whatnot. And then it just got to be like, holy shit, I can't afford all this. <laughs> so, yeah. Because he's yeah. sort of been in everything. And, they, and they've, they've spun it off into so many different sort of various, you know, styles and stuff and yeah. Uh, after well, a while, I was uh, like, eh. To me, they oversaturated him in the comic book market. Oh yeah, big time. I was worried he was going to get oversaturated in the pop culture market, but I, I, I think he's, I think he's holding on okay. Yeah, I think he's doing just fine. But yeah, you're, you're dead on. Like at one point, he had like I swear like five publications at the same time. He had like his regular Deadpool run that like Daniel Way was was writing, as well as uh, Merc with a Mouth, as well as like Deadpool Max, which is kind of like their quote unquote adult version. And, and there was Deadpool Team Up. Like all of these were going on at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And Deadpool Core, like shit, all of those, yeah, were all different books going on at the same time. I was like, that's just too much fucking Deadpool. Yeah. Like, it's too much random story. Uh, it just doesn't work. Well, that's a big tirade about Deadpool. <laughs> we love him though. <laughs> so... Was there anything else about 91 or is that No, that that's that's all I got for 91. All right, one more thing before we get into the actual film. I wanted to mention that this episode is sponsored by The Sellers Law Firm. Yay! Yay. You, you've heard about them before on this podcast. They are a Georgia law firm that handles family-based law throughout the state of Georgia. Um, He is uh, a friend of mine, but not even just that. He is a damn good lawyer. Um, You know, make sure you guys check out the website, thesellerslawfirm.com. Make sure you check out his Instagram, his Facebook, Twitter, his everything. You know, I think he's got every social media known to man Mm because he promotes the Sellers Law Firm, you know, like crazy. Heck, he even gets time on our little podcast because he cares about it so much. So follow him on all the social medias. You know, you'll learn that this guy is a trustworthy dude if you need someone to take your case uh, and help defend you he is the right guy to do it that is a podcast guarantee you know if he doesn't win your case then we will i don't know i don't want to make any guarantees <laughs> don't that'd be stupid <laughs> Well, okay. <laughs> don't don't put us in any kind of like legal hole. Yes, of course not. But I just want to let y'all know how good of a guy Jody Sellers is, and he would be the perfect lawyer that you need for any family representation across the state of Georgia. So anyway, the Sellers Law Firm, check them out at thesellerslawfirm.com and any social media app of uh, the Sellers Law Firm. Thanks, Jody. Thanks, Jody. All right. So with that little business being done, uh, let's break down the Adams family. The Adams Family from 1991, directed by Barry Sondheim. Uh, he directed the sequel of Adams Family Values. Uh, Sonnenfeld, Adam, not Sondheim. Sondheim? I wrote down Sondheim. <laughs> I meant Sonnenfeld. My bad. I'm just... <laughs> I guess my brain's melting today. Uh, he also directed Men in Black 1, 2, and 3, uh, Get Shorty, and then the amazing classic Wild Wild West. <laughs> so, fantastic film. Which, I, you know what? I admittedly, it is, it's not a great film but i actually had a lot of fun watching it when it came out and so i, yeah. I people give it more shit than i do because i didn't yeah, think it was, i mean i didn't think it was that bad 
It was not great, but... Lean, I tend to lean towards your style, because um, I remember watching it and being like, okay, this is enjoyable enough. I mean, it wasn't amazing, but it wasn't terrible. Right. Uh, but then people just started shitting on it, where it became funny and cool to shit on it. Right. Uh, and so that just kind of became part of like the, the whole mentality around it. Uh, it is one that, you know, maybe down the line, you know, we definitely can rewatch it and see, like, is it really as bad as everybody says and maybe you know when we were younger we thought it was decent but rewatching it as we're adults we, we might actually realize just how awful it is i don't know right or realize that everyone was just kind of like jumping on the like the like the nickelback train it's just cool to make fun of nickelback it was it was cool to make fun of wild wild west right uh this film was written by larry wilson uh who wrote beetlejuice and it was also written by caroline thompson who we talked about before because she wrote the screenplay for edward scissorhands uh, she also wrote the screenplays for how home Bound, um, Nightmare Before Christmas, and The Corpse Bride. Pretty awesome screenwriter there. Music was done by Mark Shaman. Uh, he is a fantastic composer and uh, has done plenty of songs in the musical world. Uh, he did the soundtracks for Misery, City Slickers, Sister Act, A Few Good Men, Ghosts of Mississippi. And what I really, really want to call out is he composed the original score and wrote the music, not the lyrics, because he worked with Trey Parker on this, but he did all the music for Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Wow. For the South the South Park movie, which I can tell you is one of, if not my favorite musical of all time. Like, <laughs> I absolutely, and I know it's kind of weird to call it that, but it is. South Park it is. is 100%. Ah. And, you know, as much as I love, like, Newsies or other stuff, I love South Park to death. And that movie was so good. I listen. I have the soundtrack. I listen to the soundtrack on its own. And like, there are songs that just make me so fucking happy. And so seeing <laughs> that he also did uh, the music for the Adams family, I thought was just it was awesome. I will admit the the music for that uh, movie are, is it's very catching, very well done. Mm-hmm. I even thought the 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 lyrics were were very smart. You know, for the movie, I, I haven't listened to it in a while, but I did listen to several songs. Um, from mm-hmm. that, uh, from the soundtrack as well. Well, it's, I mean, seeing how much Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and I think mostly Trey Parker, really utilize music in, you know, his South Park show in that movie, it wasn't a surprise when they went into the world of live action uh, Broadway musicals. Mm-hmm. And they really took over with, you know, Book of Mormon that year that came out uh, pre Hamilton, where Hamilton's now all the rage, but, uh, and probably still is, but still, like, Book of Mormon is fantastic. I've seen it twice. And they just, he knows music and he, he he's fantastic with his uh, lyrical humor as well. Yeah. This movie stars Angelica Houston as Morticia. We talked about her before on our Witches episode, maybe last year when we talked about Halloween. Yeah. And then Raul Julia played Gomez. Uh, you might know him as M. Bison from uh, Street Fighter, the Street Fighter movie. That was really bad. <laughs> um, Christopher Lloyd plays Uncle Fester. You know him as Doc Brown from Back to the Future. You know him from Clue. You know him from a million things. Christina Ricci played Wednesday, and you know her from Casper and Now and Then and a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Pugsley was played by a kid named Jimmy Workman, uh, who hasn't really done much else. And some of the other actors we'll probably just bring up as we uh, go through the film. Uh, as we kind of already previously mentioned, we start off with a Christmas song. And, you know, it, it's just kind of... Uh, funny that you know yeah we're obviously reviewing this for halloween but like we're getting christmas time right away and we're getting carolers as these carolers are singing at the house you know the the camera is kind of moving up and up and up to like the top part of the roof uh and the entire family's up there with this bubbling cauldron and they're kind of gonna pour shit on the 
carolers, and it's funny. Uh, there's a, a lot of just dark humor in this film, just straight mm-hmm. up say, but, you know, we'll go through quite a bit of it. Um, but, you know, as they're kind of pouring on this, like, smoky cauldron, we see the, the title credits kind of running through uh, inside the cauldron, which it works really well. A clock dings, and we meet the single-hand thing running around. So they're, uh, I don't know, he's just kind of like a family friend or something. I don't know. He, I don't know if he's a part of the family or whatnot, if he's actually a member of the family but i don't know yeah but he's just like this you know severedish hand that just kind of has a mind of its own running around um and that hand uh was done by christopher hart i think is his name uh and he did the other hand in like adam's family values as well uh, but he was also the hand in the movie idle hands so <laughs> he's obviously like a movie uh hand model Right. Something like that. You know, he, he's good at what he does, yeah. <laughs> I will say. I can tell you this. Um, I remember, I kind of remember when the movie was, was coming out, mm-hmm. me wondering, because I was actually a big fan of the original television show. I watched it on Nick at Night a lot. Okay. Um, and how they utilized, you know, Thing for in the 60s just came out of a box, you know, somewhere where they could hide an actor underneath or something like that. So he would show up everywhere wherever there was a box for him to come but, out of. Yeah. And so I was like, oh. How are they going to do that? And then I remember seeing the trailer, and I, if I remember it correctly, the trailer used a lot of the scene where Thing is running around, mm-hmm. um, either either in this first opening shot. I think it might have been this first opening shot, um, or, okay, the, so or, the, is, or the or the street shot, or the yeah, street uh, shot. It was one of the two. Yeah, and but like that was the majority of it, and I thought, wow, okay, we're going with the severed hand look. Yeah, I mean, at the time they did a, you know, it was an impressive graphic. Pretty, I mean, mostly, um, you know, of getting that hand to run around as well as it did. Mm-hmm. So uh, we also, at this time, we meet Gomez, who is distraught about his brother Fester still not being around. Uh, we kind of quickly meet Wednesday and Pugsley. And then we also meet Morticia, who's kind of sleeping, and Gomez is there about to, to wake her up and whatnot. And I don't know if, I mean, imagine y'all know about this, the Adams family in general, and you know about Morticia and Gomez's interesting relationship. Uh, <laughs> they are the two horniest people I think you've ever seen in pop culture. <laughs> where just if Morticia blows a loud fart, Gomez is going <laughs> to get horny and, and go after her and be like, oh, my darling, that was the greatest fart in the world. And just start. They, I mean, they are, it's all about PDA with them. <laughs> I, I think people like to think that they're in love, Adam. Oh, yes. I mean, they are deeply in love. Absolutely. Uh, but, it, I mean, I don't dislike it. I, I think it's fantastic. And I will just go ahead and straight up say uh, Raul Julia and Angelica Houston have fantastic chemistry in this film, I believe. Yeah, I agree. Especially, and I actually noticed this like in the, in the show as well. I th- I'm pretty sure it's just kind of part of what they do anytime like she speaks French or Spanish or any kind of like other language that is like immediate thing for Gomez. Like he just, he's going from 12 to midnight or six to midnight uh, <laughs> at that point, you know, <laughs> hopefully some people know that reference or what that means. But anyway, uh, we see Gomez kind of hitting some golf balls off of his, uh, one of his roofs or off his patio or whatever. Uh, and we get a good little shot here of one of the balls kind of like following it in a POV 
type of shot as it goes in and breaks the window of his neighbor and it splashes into like his fruit loops or something something and gets a cereal all over his face it's just kind of a funny shot and a funny scene i always kind of remembered that one damn you adams and it's obvious that this neighbor is not a fan of the Adamses. <laughs> you know, this is like a rich neighborhood or whatnot. And then you get this scary, big ass, monstrous, huge house, and they just families just doing whatever the hell they want whenever they want. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. Gomez tells Morticia it's been okay 25 years since his brother Fester uh, has like left and he hasn't seen him. We also then meet this character Tully, played by Dan Hedaya, and his character's wife. Uh, apparently, Tully is the family accountant or whatever. He kind of just, he handles their money for them. And he goes in and goes in to meet with Gomez to talk some business and, and get some money to pay do the monthly expenses. You just see some ridiculous stuff about the house. There's a polar bear that's partly alive that will attack you <laughs> if you walk by it there. When he gets into the office with Gomez, the, the ridiculousness of Gomez, he there's a sword fight that starts happening and whatnot. And it's just all enjoyable. It's just all silly ridiculousness that, you know, you've come to understand is going to happen in the Adams family household. Yeah. Uh, his wife is there and she's asking Morticia for something for a charity auction. Uh, she just wants to get something so that way they can do something for charity. And uh, I love there is a little bit here where Morticia's looking for something specific and she's going through a closet and she's uh, looking through like these old wardrobes. Right. Uncle Knickknack's winter wardrobe. Uncle Knickknack's summer wardrobe. Uncle Knickknack. It's Uncle Knickknack in a bag, and they just kind of toss it down like the clothes. This is the type of humor that they do constantly in this film, and I think it works really well, personally. Yeah. Or it's it's very much like a bait-and-switch humor, and you kind of get two different kinds. Um, one, where it's you think everything is going to be normal, and then they switch it to be something definitely not normal and kind of creepy, but it's definitely funny, like the, okay... Uncle Knickknack's clothes. It's normal. It's normal. Oh, God, that's Uncle Knickknack. That's weird. Uh, but it's funny. And then at the same time, then they do other types of humor where here is something really weird set up. And then as opposed to like normal people would treat it very strangely, they're like, here's something really weird. And then you kind of switch what you should be reacting to. They're going to react very normally. Like you tortured somebody and, and you know, blood splattered everywhere. How wonderful. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's little shit like that where any normal person would be like, that's terrible. And they're like fantastic <laughs> so both kind of like that kind of bait and switch humor but it works really really well for this type of family who i mean they are ultimately exactly that you know they're they're just a, a bait and switch of you know oh hey you're out in this wonderful suburb and then here's this really weird family you're gonna switch it up like that yeah another little bit just like that i want to uh mention is morticia's talking to margaret tully's wife and you know, she's talking about, oh, it's for charity. We're going to, you know, we're going to give this for charity. And she's like, you know, uh. Let's keep it. Hush, Mama. It's for charity. Widows and orphans. We need more of them. Right. You know, basically the same kind of shit where any normal person would be like, you know, oh, we want to help them out. Or, you know, it's we're trying to help save them and, you know, feed them and clothe them. And it's dark humor and it ties really well in uh, with, with the Adams Family. And I feel like they do a better job. I haven't seen the actual 
old 60s live action in a long, long time. Yeah. So I don't remember if they did that kind of humor or if they went kind of as dark as the movie did. I don't remember it being that dark. It probably was a little bit more family friendly. You know, that just would make more sense um, in the 60s. But, like, this film, they go dark with some of their humor. There's a lot of, like, killing your own brother, um, you know, <laughs> that kind of humor or sister or any of that kind of stuff and just making fun of it. And it's just like, fuck, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Gomez goes to his kind of hidden chambers where the vault is. He uses, like, the secret door, the secret kind of pathway in his library uh, and, and totally tries to kind of see what it is. I do like that. It's a very magical house as well, and mm-hmm. you pull out one of the books that's not, you know, the actual proper one to do, and you open it up, and whatever the title is, it's like there's a literal thing happening from the title. So right. he, like, opens up Gone with the Wind, and it's just like a whole bunch of fucking wind blowing at him. It's quite humorous, particularly, you know, as a kid. I think that works really well, watching that. Yeah. When Tully goes back to his office uh, with the money for the expenses, we he gets bombarded by uh, this character, Abigail Craven, and her son gordon who apparently lent him money a long time ago or a while ago and now he hasn't paid up you know he's basically kind of like like a mobster kind of situation where uh, gordon's there to kind of break his kneecaps until he pays the money back they're just kind of shaking shaking him down a little bit while they're there tully notices that gordon looks exactly like this uncle fester from the adams family and so you know he knows how much massive amounts of money that they have and so he kind of hatches the plan with them to have Gordon pose as Fester as an imposter to try and trick them to get the money and that way they can all be paid and and make a shit ton of money from that. So the Adams family is holding a seance for Fester because it's his 25th anniversary of not being there. And, you know, in this perfect night, Fester actually returns. He's actually there with Craven, who's now posing as some, like, German psychiatric doctor or some shit. Yeah. I really have no idea why she even came. I guess she maybe she doesn't trust her son, Gordon, to handle it on her own, and she kind of wants to oversee it to try and help scheme better. I Well, I took it as there's no possible way that Gordon could know everything there is to know, so if she came along mm. as a psychiatrist, it could kind of explain why he doesn't remember certain things. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that may, that's that's probably exactly it. So they're kind of getting getting going with that, and you know, everybody in the family is very excited about it. Uh, I do like that as he is starting to unpack some of his stuff, which is obviously things that he brought with him to break into this vault um, or, you know, kill them or do whatever, and it's things like cyanide and, like, a TNT and... Right. And a crowbar or whatnot. Morticia's, you know, she comes up to his room and like starts unpacking it and kind of like naming this stuff off. Again, that nice humor where it's like she sees all of it and she just eh, treats it like normal. Well, <laughs> normal fester. I like the one at the end where she goes, Cyanide. Fester. As if we'd run out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, the next day at breakfast, uh, Wednesday asks, again, good moments. There, there's a lot of humor in here that I remembered. And once the kind of like a, a line got started, I remembered it, you know, even better. Right. For this one, it was Christina Ricci's character is like, she asks. May I have the salt? And her mother, Morticia, is like. Oh. What do we say? And where most people would normally say, please. Uh, Wednesday goes now <laughs> very angrily <laughs> uh, very humorous uh, it's, it's I mean it's the same kind of setup and payoff 
just used a hundred different times, but honestly, I'm not getting sick of it. <laughs> and I didn't no, get sick of it. I want to interject a quick little story. Um, we we mm-hmm. watched this movie as a family. Mm-hmm. Both of my kids were uh, have really wanted to go see the new one, which uh, just came out this weekend as of this recording. So we, I said, well, I got to watch the movie. Let's watch this movie. And we got to that scene and my... <laughs> My daughter loves it so much that she used it on my wife. Mm-hmm. She asked her to do something. She went now. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't surprise me one bit. No. Uh, your daughter also is a bit of a strong will uh, <laughs> girl. That I think she, she she can see her appreciating that type of humor for sure. Yes. Yes. Uh, we also get at something that I, I thought was quite funny was Pugsley comes down with a stop sign and Gomez is, is so excited that he has everybody shut up and be quiet while he listens to a car crash. <laughs> Bravo, Pugsley! People dying outside of his home. <laughs> it's just funny for the family, John. Yep. Uh, so Gomez takes Fester to the vault, and uh, apparently the book to open up the secret passageway is the book Greed, which makes a lot of sense. And once you get in there, you have to then pull the correct chain to gonna you know, slide down to where you can then take a boat to the vault. Uh, the one thing I didn't like here, there's a weird-ass song that plays as they're sliding down this, you know, chaotic slide to get to the next section of the vault. I never liked that song or whatever the heck that was. It was always, I mean, it's not like a, a song that really is meant to to do anything other than just kind of show the chaoticness of what's going on in, you know, this vault and, and what's happening here. But I just, I never felt like it actually fit with the style and mood of the movie. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was just kind of weird. But it does. It's neither here nor there. It's just kind of like my own preference. Um, so they get to the vault, and I do like. Uh, that the code for the actual vault door is 2, 10, and 11. Uh, he's like, eyes, fingers, toes. <laughs> so he has two eyes, 10 fingers, and 11 toes. And it's just, it's kind of funny. As Fester's in there with the vault, you know, he's, uh, Gomez is still just kind of being nostalgic about things. He's looking for uh, some films, some like old family movies. And Fester, you know, is going to go make a brandy. And he pops this little drink top. And he's kind of, that That was obviously another, um, you know, secret passage passageway opener and it spins kind of the little bar around and he sees all the shit ton of gold doubloons that they have uh, and it just before he can kind of grab any he spins back and right then Gomez have found some of the films so now we see some of you know they're just old fester young fester mm-hmm. just kind of part of their ridiculous you know little old school family and and i just you know thought those were enjoyable they kind of added a little you know something of their relationship when they were younger we also kind of find out here that gomez blames himself for fester leaving in the first place and i think that's why he's been so upset um in general and missing his brother and etc cetera, etc cetera. while they're kind of also being nostalgic and, and reminiscing gomez wants to you know play around with his brother and he wants to hear the secret names but fester can't remember mm-hmm. so this is one of the little things that's just kind of like getting into gomez's head as to like wait a minute like why the hell can't he remember some of the stuff that we absolutely should um, but as of right now he's not he's still believing that gordon is fester yeah one thing that i 
in in looking, you know, doing a little bit of research, one thing that I I guess I hadn't noticed or didn't care about the original, they actually changed some of the relationships from the original TV show. Mm. In the original TV show, Fester was not Gomez's brother. He was Morticia's uncle. Oh, okay. And Grandmama was Gomez's mother. Okay. So they flipped them. Here, Grandmama is Morticia's mother, and Fester is Gomez's brother. Mm-hmm. Which you know works for the story with the story they created, yeah. and honestly, I didn't know until I just yeah. you know I just did research for this, and I probably wouldn't have noticed. So probably only the most diehard of original '60s <laughs> show fan really would have noticed that. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm with you. I'm not like you know tied to the actual family tree as it once was. Right. I think I guess they they needed to try and figure out you know. Uh, what was the storyline to kind of propel this this Adams family story through as opposed to you know there had to be some inner conflict or whatnot and that was going to be this brother relationship yeah uh, as opposed to him being like this older uncle oh, yeah yeah I mean it didn't bother me one bit it worked just fine yep we get a funny but short little kind of creepy scene with Wednesday and Pugsley uh, that she is strapping up Pugsley to electrocute him it has to warm up why so it can kill you. I knew that. Children, what are you doing? I'm going to electrocute him. But we're late for the charity auction. But mother... I said no. Please? Oh, all right. Honestly, I mean, it's, it's pretty funny, but the real creepy part is when she actually flips the switch... It just stays on Christina Ricci's face, yeah. and she looks so psychopathic. It's it's for she was probably like tennis years old or something when this when she did this. She she's a fantastic little psycho. <laughs> yeah, you get that yeah. right right at the end of it. You get just that slight little widening of the eyes and the slight mm-hmm. little curl of a smile. Like not enough that it's that it's overt, but if you're paying attention to her face, you see it. Yeah, and it just it adds to it. She's loving uh, killing her brother right here. Uh, at the charity auction, uh, we get, I, I think this is a hilarious scene where, <laughs> you know, they're the ones who gave this little Chinese finger trap, which is a cool little, like, dragon-y Chinese yeah. finger trap thing. Um, they gave it for charity, and they start the bidding off at, like, 5000 and Gomez like, that's way too low, 20000 and then <laughs> And then, like, him and Morticia start raising up the bidding, and that excites Gomez downstairs and in his pants. And so he is like, you know, he is getting equal parts horny and, you know, they're upping the the prizes <laughs> to where they spend $50,000 to buy back the old Chinese finger trap, which is ridiculous, but humorous. And just them tying in with their just dynamic and, and the way, the way they're, they're just kind of being all over each other at the same time yeah. and the ridiculousness of them in general, it, it's awesome. I always did kind of find it funny that the part of the joke of the finger trap is that they, when they give it to the woman, she puts her fingers in and she mm-hmm. gets them stuck and they have to get her out. And then right before they go out to do this, someone goes, how do you do this? And she puts, she goes like this and puts her fingers in. And so mm-hmm. the next thing you see is her holding it out in between her fingers because she still yeah. can't get it off her fingers. Even though she was shown how to undo it, but it's it's quite funny. But the way, the way they showed it, I didn't know if it was going to be possible to do it with your fingers in there. With your own fa- hands. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You need somebody else. Uh, so anyway, they, they buy back the finger trap and on the way home, you know, Fester kind of plays with it and he gets his fingers trap and he, he asks, um, you know, how do you get this thing off? This 
kind of clicks for everybody and especially Gomez because uh, he's like, oh, wait, some of this other shit that I've heard from him. How the fuck does he not remember this Chinese finger trap? It was something from back in the day that, you know, he loved to play with. I guess something that he does when he is angry is he plays with his model trains. And it's just kind of humorous while he's doing the trains, like the whole house is shaken. Uh, and he's just, you know, very angrily talking to himself. Uh, and he ends up like having the trains crash headfirst into each other, which kind of has a big shake rumble of the entire house. So. Uh, but it just it shows that Gomez is now very much questioning is fester who he says he is Mm -hmm. simultaneously we see that fester is trying to break into the vault Uh, but he fucks up he pulls the wrong chain and that ends up sending him kind of out this kind of like a garbage chute uh, through some water funny enough mortician notices that he's going through the pipes (laughs) and so she meets him outside and kind of walks him through the family cemetery uh, and just kind of just just showing him around the next day Another quick, they have a lot of like just quick scenes, Mm -hmm. specifically with Wednesday and Pugsley and just kind of their ridiculous relationship, uh, you know, as brother and sister trying to kill each other or whatever the hell they're doing. Uh, Just I think this is a very memorable scene where Wednesday is walking by with a small knife. Morticia turns to her and says, is that for your brother? I don't think so. Takes the small knife. And then in that perfect bait and switch mentality, grabs this massive fucking cleaver thing, <laughs> like a two-handed like axe thing, hands it to her, uh, and then she kind of keeps walking away. Uh, that I, that image and just that type of parenting, I always thought was humorous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do a really good job of that. Just the the subtle constant jokes. Yes, subtle constant jokes. They're quick and they just kind of you get through that. But it also okay, yeah, you have that, and then you can continue continue the dialogue to continue the plot along or other stuff. Um, but they just they're just small little snippets that work really well. So Gordon slash Fester is worried that the family's getting on to him, so he's talking to his mother, um, and so you know she decides she will pose as this German psychiatrist again to to do have a ruse. Uh, to try and convince them that, you know, no, he really is Fester. And so while he's, she's kind of talking to Morticia and uh, Gomez trying to basically convincing him, we see that Fester uh, sees Wednesday and Pugsley playing on this sword fight, you know, doing this Shakespeare death scene or something. And so he kind of wants to help them. But in doing that, he's kind of tying himself a little bit more into the family. And so now his mother, Craven, um, Abigail Craven slash German psychiatrist, whatever. Uh, she's now worried that Gordon is kind of slipping and getting too attached. And so she she wants to use the sword fight day when they're all gone to be the day where they are going to steal everything from the vault. So that next day, everybody goes to the play. I absolutely love another one of these great lines where you see Tully and his wife, Margaret, and they have this little cute little kind of like chubby faced kid uh, who's dressed up like an elf. And she's like, isn't he just so cute? I could eat him alive. And Morticia's like, oh, no, Margaret, too young. <laughs> just implying that, oh, when he ripens up, uh, then then he'll be good to eat. That's the uh, that's the same kid who gives Dr. Grant shit in Jurassic Park. Awesome. Well, he plays, you know, little kind of like annoying little kids pretty well. <laughs> just little one-off scene characters. Yep. 
So Fester, in his attachment to the family, instead of staying home to steal shit with his mother, he does decide to go to the play. He comes a little late, but he, you know, gives some props to Wednesday and Pugsley, and he kind of goes to take a seat. And, you know, his mother, Craven, uh, she's pissed off and kind of walking around the house, and she gets kind of tangled up by these vines. Uh, we see the sword fight in the play. It's quite good, and it is bloody to yeah. all hell if they if they do a cut then it just starts spraying everywhere and honestly even now i'm watching it and i'm just like laughing my ass off i think it's fantastic they're just the kids the idea of seeing two children and just blood squirting everywhere from them well it's not always funny but it's at least funny in this context yes <laughs> so uh and it works well because it's obviously fake and they're they're doing it that way as shock value uh, and it definitely shocks the entire crowd everyone's like shocked you know into to being still except for the adamses who stand up and cheer and bravo bravo I think a great scene. Yeah. Later, uh, Lurch finds the doctor uh, who is fully wrapped up by the vines (laughs) and she wants to take Fester away. She's trying to, you know, just regroup, figure shit out. But before Fester leaves, Gomez wants to throw this big family reunion party. So that party happens and gets going. Uh, We meet Cousin It. You know, very famously, Cousin It is one of the side characters from all Adam's family. He's this super long hair thing. Uh, I do love that as he drives up, the song Too Legit to Quit by MC Hammer is blasting <laughs> yep. in his car. I think it's just perfect. Wednesday goes up to, to bring down Fester for the party, and she overhears uh, him and, you know, Craven, his, the mother, talking about, you know, the whole plan and shit like that. And so... You know, she's upset and she has to run and she ends up escaping from him, but she kind of leaves out the, the garbage chute and so she, she runs away. Uh, so Fester's kind of all, all worried about, you know, getting, getting caught by the family. But, and so, but he's trying to keep up the ruse. He goes down uh, to the party after he can't find her. They end up doing this whole big dance number. It's called the Mamushka. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always liked the Mamushka. It's kind of funny. I did too. The Mamushka! Taught to us by our Cossack cousins, the mamushka has been an Adam's family tradition since God knows when. We danced the mamushka while Nido fiddled. We danced the mamushka at Waterloo. We danced the mamushka for Jack the Ripper. And now, Fester Adams, this mamushka is for you. Fester can't really kind of do it at first, but he kind of gets it, and he kind of then he kind of jumps into it. It's it's solid. A whole knife throwing situation. He has to catch one in his mouth. All of it is uh, it's pretty funny, and it, and it works well for the family. Originally, that whole scene was much longer, but the test audiences thought it sort of slowed the movie down, so they cut it. I would say that was probably I would probably agree with the test audiences. A lot of people like shit on test audiences and how they can adjust a movie, but I don't think we need too much dance scene. You know, we just need 
some dance scene. Yeah. And just kind of get, you know, and just kind of show the ridiculousness of their relationship. Uh, and I think you get plenty of that. Something else that is just kind of strange is uh, Margaret, Tully's wife. She's getting wooed by Cousin It pretty yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> She's, she is falling for that hairy little guy. He's a smooth talker. He, uh, obviously, I mean, he sounds like, what is it? Who's that, Beaker uh, from the <laughs> yeah. Muppets? Like the, <laughs> murmur, 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 murmur. Yeah. Uh, same kind of thing. <laughs> uh, so Mother Craven is upset with Gordon, you know, that, you know, he's, again, just getting too close to the family. And she kind of basically swaying him back to her side. Uh, he gives in and he agrees to go back to the original plan of stealing the money. Um, at this time, Gomez and the rest of the family realizes that Wednesday is gone, and so they leave to split up and find her, and they're searching, you know, everywhere outside of the house, and Fester slash Gordon convinces them that, you know, oh, someone should stay here in case she comes back, and so he's going to do that while the rest of the family is out of the house, which leaves Craven and Tully and Fester all at the house by themselves. Gomez finds Wednesday sleeping in the family mausoleum, and as they come back, Tully has kind of chained the gate together and apparently has a restraining order on them saying that okay fester's the older brother so he gets the house and so they they're no longer welcome that kind of shit you know i don't really know anything about the law but it does seem you know i guess after 25 years i don't know if the guy would should would get the house back right away you know i don't know we should talk to jody sellers of the jody sellers law firm (laughs) and maybe he can tell us all about it maybe maybe but gomez believes in the judicial system and so he is going to go to court and try and win back his house but john the judge is that same neighbor who got pelted with golf balls oh so many times by gomez and so they lose the house and they're a little bit fucked gordon craven and tully try to get into the vault and none of them get the chain done correctly and so they're all going to get spit out um we get a scene that i always i always loved the time where the adams family is taken out of their house for that little bit and they're put into the motel because they look so out of place yeah you know i mean the whole thing is they're out of place but they're they're comfortable in their weirdness they make sense in their own weirdness and their own like horror-esque kind of household and life but when they're put into like a real life situation it just it makes it makes them look even stranger and they're not obviously comfortable i love how dejected uh gomez looks yeah everyone else sort of looks the same but he's been reduced to uh basically a wife beater and watching daytime tv all the time (laughs) yeah yeah it's watching sally jesse raphael which is hilarious i do think we get a a great little back and forth in line as because everybody's kind of like trying to pitch in get some money and whatnot uh wednesday and pugsley are having a little like lemonade stand uh, you know like a poisonous lemonade stand and this very pretentious little girl scout comes up (laughs) and is like is that made with real lemons uh, like, yes, like I only want real lemons. If if I buy a cup of your lemonade, will you buy one of my Girl Scout cookies? And Wednesday's line is just perfect. Are they made from real Girl Scouts? Just deadpan to all hell. Like, you know, okay, yes, lemonade's made from real lemonade. Or Girl Scout cookies made from real Girl Scouts. Right. Uh, I always thought that was quite humorous, though. It's good shit. As we see, the whole family's kind of pitching, other than Gomez, who's not doing well mentally right now. Morticia's kind of watching kids, and there's kind of a funny little scene of her... <laughs> telling them a story which goes very creepily makes them all cry yeah uh and thing is a courier which he does very very well uh i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if they end up giving that guy that hand a raise (laughs) 
Meanwhile, Gordon, you know, back at the house, he's kind of missing the Adams family. He's missing them. Um, and Morticia goes to the house to try and confront them and try and, you know, patch things up or figure out what the hell's going on. Uh, Thing ends up following her. What they want, since they can't get into the vault, they tie her up and are, decide they're going to torture her uh, until they she tells them, you know, the, the different passwords and whatnot to get into the vault. Um, Thing sees it. Somehow he sees it. He doesn't know, has no eyes, but <laughs> he, he can tell what's going on. And he runs back. And you get a just a fantastic little scene of him having to run through the streets and dodge, you know, playing like basically a little frogger to get through like the street and get his way back to the hotel. The graphics on the hand aren't the best. You can really see like the cutout of the green screen and it just doesn't fit all that well right. on the rest of the, of the um, plate behind it. But... You know, for its time, it worked pretty well. And even now, I can kind of just suspend my disbelief enough to just kind of be like, okay, the hand's there. Even though you're not getting, like, all the proper shadows and I'm still seeing, like, some of the, the cutout isn't perfect from the hand itself. Right. But, you know, in, in general, they did a solid job. Yeah. Thing gets Gomez and he busts in right in time, you know, as they're torturing Morticia. And, you know, he has a sword fight with Tully, but Craven the Mother... Uh, has a gun and basically she says Gomez you need to go take Gordon to the vault but at this time she also yells at Gordon just you know basically telling him he's a fucking idiot shit like that and Gordon slash Fester's had enough and he's you know what he's he's always he's like you're a bad mother I'm kind of done with you this is this things feel right with this family and so he's switching allegiances and instead of opening up the the proper book to open the door he grabs a book called hurricane irene and obviously as we know from previous times seeing other books being opened that if you open it there's going to be like a literal hurricane that comes out Mm -hmm. so that's exactly what he does and these are the worst graphics in the movie uh the hurricane spin stuff and the lightning and shit that's going on things do not are not looking really good on this. But Tully and Craven are flown into into graves right as we see Wednesday and Pugsley are there with headstones already made. And uh, we get a kind of nice little creepy line of... Are they dead? Does it matter? And so it's like, oh shit, they're going to bury those two alive. That's yeah. that's some creepy shit. <laughs> but it's still humorous and it, and it works. So, But it is... Just good dark humor. We cut to seven months later. It's Halloween. Margaret and it are a couple. And uh, apparently what happened during that lightning storm, Fester got hit by a bolt of lightning and it zapped his memory back. So apparently he was Fester the entire time. And, you know, from being in the Bermuda Triangle, he lost his his memory. He had amnesia. And Abigail Craven, the quote-unquote mother, warped his mind to make him think that she, he was actually her son the entire time and shit like that. So, but, you know, yay, the legit fester is back and everything is good to go. The family kind of goes out into the graveyard to play a game called Wake the Dead. I think that it's a very cute little family game where they start digging up their old relatives uh, and we see a little thing. Apparently Morticia is pregnant with another Adam's baby. Yep. Credits roll and we get maybe the greatest song in the history of all <laughs> cinema. Uh, we get a song called Adam's Groove by MC Hammer. <laughs> Just kicking it around the house. What a knock, a knock, a knock, and a voice. Yo, can handle come out? Now I don't mind being a friend and showing a little bit of flavor. But Wednesday, Pugsley, Gomez, Fester, man, them some strange neighbors. And not gonna lie though, that is—it's a fun song, and I think a lot of people. 
forget about it, but it's it is shit. a fun song. And it was funny when yeah. we were watching that. I turned to my wife. I was like, "Is this the one that the MC Hammer song was on, or is it the second one?" And mm-hmm. she's like, "I don't know." And then we got to the end. We're like, "Oh, there it is." <laughs> yeah, because I always kind of equate it very similarly to the Ninja Rap by Vanilla Ice, but that one was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Right. And so I sometimes think like, oh, wait, is the Adams Family song in the second one, not the first one, but it's, it ends up in the first one. I'm just like, thank you. Thank you, MC, <laughs> Mr. Hammer. Thank you, Mr. Hammer. That is that is good shit. The, the movie is done, John. How about you start us off with uh, your comments? I, I went in kind of worried that it wasn't going to hold up and that... Uh... And that it was just going to be, you know, maybe a little blah and a little slow. I enjoyed the hell out of rewatching this movie. Um, and maybe it helped that I had my family with me and my kids were loving it as we watched. They loved the movie a lot. Um, in fact, when they found out that there was a sequel, they're like, when do we get to see the sequel? <laughs> it was so much fun rewatching it that it brought back all those original flood of emotions and memories of, of watching it the first time and how we used to watch it together as kids. And mm. it, to me, the movie still holds up a lot despite bad you know bad graphics aside there's really good acting i love raul julius gomez so much so that i think he's my definitive gomez i agree um i just i love that sort of dashney sort of matinee idol style that he brings to it that i i can't imagine a gomez as any other way because i've gone back and watched some of the original and john astin does a you know he does a, you know he does a good job but he plays it fairly straight Mm-hmm. You know, in the old, you know, because you couldn't go too weird in the 60s. Yeah. 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 I mean, to me, Raul Julia steals the show, steals the movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you know, it's his movie to lose. I mean, I, I loved uh, Angelica Houston as, as Morticia, but she only had so much to do in the movie. And she's very, her character to me is a little one note. Yeah, I could see that. The way she is, but to, to me, that's just, that's Morticia. You know, mm-hmm. that's just how they sort of portray. But they're they're surrounded by all these, you know, extra characters that I think help bring the whole family together. We didn't really talk about Grandmama at all. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. And you know what? If they honestly, if they took her out of the movie, it probably one thing. But and they and we didn't talk about Lurch either. Oh yeah, famously their their butler who kind of, you know sort of looks like Frankenstein, um, mm-hmm. which I'm I'm sure was 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 the inspiration for when um, when Charles Adams you know created the comic mm-hmm. the comic strip because Lurch was one of my favorite things of the original TV show mm-hmm. and it, but he didn't do as much in in this film he just sort of was there in the background yeah. you heard a sort of rumble a little bit. Yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. But uh, I I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I'm 100% on that same train. Uh, I, you know, I definitely remember enjoying this one when I was younger. And I love to hear that you got to watch it with your entire family and you know, it can pass on to the next generation and it'll still hold up for them. I felt rewatching it when I got older and just the way I appreciate dark humor as much as I do now mm-hmm. there were just so many fantastic jokes those bait and switch dark humor jokes that made me really appreciate the writing in this movie is really good those either puns and other stuff that they would have there is just some really strong writing which makes a lot of sense it's the same screenwriter of Edward Scissorhands and other right. stuff you know the the, the fantastic stuff in those as well um, and I'm, I'm on the exact same train with you like to me Raul Julia is 100% the definitive Gomez when I was doing my casting and I'm sure I'll talk about it you know later I kept trying to like I just kept comparing them to the people on this cast and like they just felt everybody fell short and like <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not confident on my casting because like no one is going to be as good as Raul Julia to me. And honestly, I love Angelica Houston, where I thought she is pretty much my definitive uh, Morticia as well. Yep. 
And and for me, Christina Ricci is the, was just the perfect Wednesday. Yep. It's going to be really, really hard to beat those just in, in any type of pop culture, you know, even like 20 years down the line. It's like, yeah, you're, you're going to be compared to them and you're probably all going to lose. <laughs> As I mentioned before, I think the... The, just the, that acting was fantastic. Christopher Lloyd did a great job too. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think he was absolutely. You know, drop dead the perfect fester. But I do think he was very good, and he did. Yeah. A, he did a strong job. I mean, Christopher Lloyd is good in pretty much any everything. Yeah. I've seen yeah quite a bit of the Adams Family stuff just in general. Like I think I've seen parts of like you know that new Adams Family show as well. But that is my Morticia. That is my Gomez. Their relationship is so strong together. Um, and with all that fantastic writing, I absolutely enjoyed the hell out of myself watching this film where I am excited to probably rewatch this film, you know, next next Halloween season. Right. You know, I'm or or watch the the future one with Corey on a sequels or maybe you and I can do that one if you're if you're so inclined. Yeah. You know, probably not cuz I remember it not being nearly as good. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this one this one is well worth your time and this holiday season if you want to waste your money and watch the cartoon one, actually, I don't want to say that. Maybe it's good. You can either put in and, you know, go watch out in the theater and watch the old school one, or you can have a guarantee laugh by rewatching the 1991 live action version. All right, now we are going to talk The Addams Family, the animated series that ran from 1992 to 1993. It was two seasons, 21 total episodes. I have a feeling this will be a quick discussion. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe we'll see. Maybe there's a lot to talk about. I doubt it. The executive producer for this cartoon was David Kirshner, who wrote Hocus Pocus, also wrote American Tale and American Tale 2, Five Goes West. Um, so that is pretty cool. And then also I wanted to call out that another one of the executive producers was Mark Young on this animated show, uh, which Mark Young is from the company Moonscoop, which got changed into, I think, Cabillion or something like that. But I actually have a tie with him because I, I worked with him on a show, a very cheesy show called Super Sportlets, which wasn't a full animation show. It was a live action shot against green screen with everything else being kind of animated. Mm. It was a very cheesy wannabe semi ripoff of, of Power Rangers, but it was uh, all sports based. I think it only aired in the Netherlands, <laughs> but it was enjoyable and I had a good time working on it. And uh, Mark Young was a really nice guy uh so i give him props and when i saw his name i was like oh awesome i appreciated that i appreciated seeing that you know Mm -hmm. i had a semi-tie uh this show ran on abc and was produced by hanna barbera uh, who was also the same company that produced the 1973 cartoon uh it stars john astin he uh reprised his role as gomez sure we've had the occasional scorpion kissing contest but all in all it's just not the same and i think that's Probably, you know, because he was in the original 60s live action show. I think that's why his voice acting stood out more than anyone else's rewatching this cartoon. Really? For me, anyway. When I was listening to him, I was like, okay, you are a Gomez to me. I <laughs> I am getting that, and it works for me. Where everyone else, I was just like, eh, you're not. Other than Lurch, because Lurch was, you know, just making grunting sounds, and it was Jim Cummings who did the, the sounds for Lurch. Right. <laughs> Everyone else, I was just like, I'm not sure I believe you are this character to me, especially watching it around the time I was watching the actual, you know, again, comparing it to the Adams Family 91 movie is just like, eh, all of you are lesser. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, Nancy Linari did the voice of Morticia. Remember to hurry home after school, children. Tonight's the big Adams Family reunion. Uh, she's been in tons of stuff, but nothing that really stood out to me. Debbie Derryberry did the voice of Wednesday. I think we need to do something a little more subtle, brain of flea. Who she is the voice of Jimmy Neutron on that mm-hmm. show. So pretty big name there. And Jeannie Elias did the voice of Pugsley. I hope we scraped enough algae off the raft. You know how much Aunt Ben loves Lurch's dip. Who, maybe her other credit that I recognize the most was she was the voice of Princess Toadstool in the uh, that, the cartoon, the Super Mario Brothers cartoon that went on for a while. So I'd yeah. probably recognize that. And then the biggest comedic name, uh, Rip Taylor, did the voice of Uncle Fester. Coming right up, Morticia. <laughs> Who we just lost. We just lost him a couple weeks ago, or yeah. maybe it was one week ago, uh, from when we're recording this. So he's to me, he's well known as just the the glitter throwing comedian guy. Right. Like, he's just <laughs> he's just kind of almost almost prop com- comedy like, um, but he was kind of over the top, just kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, so we unfortunately just recently lost him. Mm-hmm. Do you remember watching this cartoon much when you were younger? I um, I definitely remember when we threw it in there. I remember like, oh yeah, there was a cartoon. I'm sure I saw a few episodes. I didn't remember much about it. I just remember that it existed Mm -hmm. and that I probably watched a few episodes and that was about it. I was pretty much the same. Like I knew I watched it at some point, but I can't say I watched every episode and it wasn't, I wasn't a diehard, but I was like, okay, I remember this animation style. I definitely remember, you know, John Astin's voice coming out of that Gomez cartoon. Right. But everything else about it, like nothing really, really stuck with me. Yeah. I mean, the show itself you know, being a cartoon and not a, a feature uh, was even more so geared towards children than the movie was with all that dark humor that we'd seen earlier. Much of the family's kind of macabre nature had to be toned down because right. it was, you know, a cartoon kid show. And in order to kind of fit with other kind of Saturday morning cartoons, plot lines were kind of more so geared towards like them living in this bright, cheerful town called Happydale Heights. Uh, and they kind of face some other random things like, oh, here's some other weird monsters or villains or other stuff that they have to deal with. Yeah. Um, they weren't like a superhero to me or anything, but like, you know, just just some random shit. The something also different with the cartoon is they had uh, their neighbors were called the Norman Myers. Uh, Norma and Norman Norman Meyer, I believe, mm-hmm. were the names or Norm- Norman and Normina. <laughs> Norman Meyer was it, what it was. One was voiced by Rob Paulson. And I can't remember. I can't remember who did the, the, the Normina, but. She was someone that I absolutely recognized. I, I, I've heard that voice. Edie McClurg, who was the secretary in uh, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller, yeah. So when I watched uh, the cartoon, my kids wanted to watch it with me. We just watched a couple episodes, and both of them had uh, the Norman Myers in it. And I have been listening to – Rob Paulson just came out with a book uh, just recently mm. in the last couple weeks or so. Um, and I downloaded the audiobook and I've been listening to it in the car when I've been taking the kids around. And my son uh, – it's not exactly – it's not it's not chock full of curse words, but it's not very it's not G rated as far as the book. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very it's a very um, open tell all book about his life. It's a great book. Did, did he mention me in it? No. The time that he ran into me and I stopped him from peeing. No. I don't. Well, I don't know. I'm not there yet. I'm still. I'm okay. still finishing it. But listening to it, my son kind of recognized the voice, and he started talking about you know Pinky and the Brain, which my son loved for a while, and some of these other stuff, mm-hmm. and and he got to know it. And so as soon as he heard his voice on the cartoon, he's like. Dad, is that Rob Paulson? I was like, "Yep." So he's he's getting yeah. to the point where he's he's starting to recognize these guys and what they do, and that's good. If for anyone who uh, 
loves any of the shows Rob Paulson's done, I highly recommend it. And Adam, I'm going to personally recommend it to you because Mm -hmm. Rob Paulson went through the exact same throat cancer that our father went through. Oh, wow. And a lot of the things that he talks about are things that I remember our father talking about while he was Mm -hmm. going through his procedures. And so it Hmm. actually, it's, it's been really kind of eye opening thing to, to kind of hear someone else talk about that same experience. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. Definitely. We'll check that out. So the actual models of like the cartoons, the characters were, you know, mostly set off to be similar to, uh, like the original drawings. Yeah, uh, from the original like um, New Yorker cartoons, and then they worked pretty well. Uh, they did kind of change a couple things. Lurch was like had had this blue skin for some reason. I'm not really sure why, <laughs> and some other stuff like that. But overall, they you know they looked they looked okay. I do want to talk about the the kind of a classic theme song. They're creepy and they're spooky, mysterious and spooky. Now, more so, the theme song is well known in the like the '60s right. version. Like that's where it came from. And this basically is that exact same thing. They just kind of redid it a little bit. They kind of maybe used maybe used a deeper voice or something. I can't remember. Uh, but it was basically the exact same thing. You know, very classic. Which actually, I kind of like. They didn't really even do in the movie. We didn't really talk about it. You know, they they did the like maybe once or twice right. in the movie, and they did like a snap. But that was it. But like they didn't do like the actual they're ooky and they're spooky. Right. Dun, 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 dun. Honestly, I find that song very cheesy. <laughs> and well, it's very sixties. It, it, it is very sixties, and it being used for the nineties cartoon, I don't think really works uh, it doesn't work anymore for me okay. you know I, I feel like they should have done something better and something different which actually they did do something different for the live action 90s tv show and so i just i, I kind of like that they changed it up there but like re-watching it for this i was like man this just feels dated to me the song feels 60s yeah well i'm gonna say this the whole reason we got the adams family 91 movie is because of that song Uh, As the story goes is that uh, several of the uh, movie executive, the studio executives were in a car together, um, carpooling somewhere. And one of the, or like the CEO's kid was in the back and the kids started singing the theme song. And by the end of it, the entire car was singing along. (laughs) Like all these executive guys were singing along because they all remembered the show. And pretty much like Mm -hmm. the next day, the guy called one of his movie studios and was like, hey, why don't you think about putting this together or something like that? And that's how we ended up with the movie. Uh, that's cool. Well, then, you know what? Props to the song for that. <laughs> the animation on this show was pretty low bar, in my opinion. Right. Hanna-Barbera animation is okay, but there's definitely a stretch. Well, most of the time, Hanna-Barbera animation is is lower quality. I feel like they have a lower um, frame rate to them. Uh, they're, just, they're not as strong as like Disney animation. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as bad as Filmation, you know, <laughs> uh, with some of that stuff. Because Filmation was pretty weak in the 80s. But it's not it's not high quality. It's not something that I think lasts the test of time. So I'm not really, didn't love the animation style in this one. And in rewatching the show, for me, and just these are my final thoughts. Do you have anything else that you wanted to bring up about the, the cartoon show? Uh, nothing specific. Nothing specific. Okay, so I'll just, I'll start with my final thoughts. This show doesn't hold up 
at all, in my opinion. You know, the storylines are just very kid centric and they're not they're not really interesting at all either. The show being a very kid minded, the dark humor that I love so much about the movie just isn't there and it's not keeping me interested at all. Um, so I just didn't care for it. I honestly I think I just watched one episode I might have watched two, but I sure as hell didn't really pay attention to the second one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of there. If you loved it as a kid, there's only twenty one episodes, but probably don't watch it you know you probably i don't know if anybody loved this cartoon more than they loved the movie because i would say just rewatch the movie that's a, a that one is fantastic cartoon not so much in my opinion yeah largely i agree we i watched uh, one episode with my kids and then they lost interest and i watched one more by myself and i lost mm-hmm. interest in that one at least halfway through yeah it doesn't really hold up it to me it felt like the tone of it went more back towards the 60s style than than it mm-hmm. was referencing you know i'm sure they they're playing off of the popularity of the movie but it wasn't to me it wasn't relating to the movie at all it was much more relating to the 60s tv show which i'm sure they thought was safer since it was for kids and yeah. despite actually you know having very much a you know world class voice actors obviously john aston was uh the original you know gomez aston mm-hmm. but that point that in that stage of his life john aston was doing a ton of voice work um, he did mm-hmm. all kinds of voice work in the, the sort of you know the last uh, decade or two in his in his life. So that in itself is not even that that weird that it, he would do that. Uh, but you know we mentioned Rob Paulson was in it. Um, you yeah. know, Child- Jim Cummings. Jim Cummings. Charles Nelson Riley did voices in this. Yeah. Pat Fraley did voices in this. In fact, Fra- Pat Fraley was cousin it. You know, all kinds of stuff. But unfortunately, it just it just fell short. And y- you know, you can tell with the writing that it just it wasn't that funny. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they didn't have opportunity to to do some kind of crazier, dark humory stuff or or just some wild things. Because we when we did the Beetlejuice episode, I actually pretty much pretty enjoyed that show Mm -hmm. um you know it wasn't amazing but that cartoon had some like puns and some stuff in there that made it kind of funny and it was definitely out there and kind of a little bit grosser and the way you put it yeah as as opposed to going that style that would have fit a little bit better with the movie they kind of said oh no no let's go all the way back to the 60s version and yeah i'm with you just didn't uh keep my interest yeah This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... A sportsman's paradise. And it's called Puerto Rico. It's a morning ride and an afternoon drive. It's the catch of the day and the thrill of a lifetime. It's tennis aces, deep sea races, underwater treasures, and windswept pleasures. But sometimes my favorite sport is doing nothing at all. And now it's time to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we're going to be casting an all-new Adams Family movie, uh, casting live action. Uh, we are going to do just the whole family, so we're going to do Gomez, Morticia, Pugsley, Wednesday, Uncle Fester, Lurch, and Grandmama. Adam, I'm going to be honest. I, and maybe I'm being way overconfident, I think I nailed it with my casting on this. Well, I'm glad you did. I don't feel I did at all. Uh, there's only maybe two people I legitimately like that I cast. Everyone else, I'm like, I just, I just don't see it. Or honestly, with Wednesday and Pugsley, I just don't care <laughs> because they're kids casting, and I just, I just don't, I just don't know 
these kids enough so to say that I that I nailed those castings right. But I'll tell you, I love my Lurch, and I think I did a good Morticia. Everyone else, I feel very shaky on. Okay. <laughs> so I hope I hope yours is good, and hopefully I'll be like, oh wow, John, that is a good one. I'll concede. Um, hopefully that's the case. We'll see though, because oh. I kind of like I like battling you if you have a crappy <laughs> cast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, let's uh, we'll start backwards with uh, Grandmama. We'll end on Gomez and Morticia since they're kind of like the you know the heads of the family. All right, Grandmama, who you know, but plays a you know a small part. I I guess knowing my cast, I definitely envision this as a movie more than anything else. Mm-hmm. At worst, maybe like a an eight part series or an eight part miniseries of some kind could be done with it. I mean, obviously it worked as a television show uh, for a long time. So there's, you know, there's no reason why it couldn't be that. I just kind of, I picked actors who I feel like, even though like several of them have done television shows, eh, you know what, in this day and age, maybe you can't say never. You know, it could it could be a small series, like definitely for Netflix or maybe even Amazon Prime or something like that. But I imagine it would probably be a movie. Um, I'm going to let you go first with your grandmama. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't hate my grandmama. Um, and I, I definitely did a kind of a movie route, so I tried to do people who I think are bigger enough. Um, I went with an actress who is, uh, I mean, a Shakespearean-trained actress. She's absolutely amazing. She has done some prosthetics before, so I think they would put some good, you know, potentially some older makeup on her to kind of fit with the grandmama. Um, and she can do literally anything. I've seen her act, you know, her way out of a paper bag. <laughs> uh, she's she's that good. She is really, really strong actress. Uh, I went with Emma Thompson as my grandmama. Oh, yeah, that's a very strong grandmama. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Probably way stronger than you need because it's a character that, you know, isn't going to be carrying the plot or anything like that. But, you know, she's <laughs> she's good actress. Yeah. I mean, shit. You can't. Uh, I, I have nothing bad to say about Emma Thompson. I okay. can't. <laughs> Again, all right. If you shit, if you can get her to do it, then that's gonna be yeah. You could probably do a spinoff series called Grandmama yeah. with uh, Emma Thompson doing it. Mm. Uh, I uh, went with uh, still a very well known actress. Um, I for me, Grandmama was very sort of over the top and goofy, and so I wanted somebody mm-hmm. who could really play into that. I was kind of looking at like older, older actresses until I realized, wow, well, you know, mm-hmm. we can do a little bit of makeup and stuff like this. And I was thinking about this one actress, and then I was like, wait, she's a little older now. And I think she could work really, really well. And we've already seen her play sort of a pseudo witch once in a movie that we're definitely going to cover at some point. Uh, I went with Tracy Ullman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's a great call. Yeah, we, we have seen her as like... Uh, that kind of goofy witch in uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, very goofy witch. I like that choice. That's a great choice. Yeah, I was I when I thought of her and I was like, oh, she's going to be too young. And I'm like, no, she's not that young. She's got, I mean, she's probably in her 50s or 60s at this point. So um, yeah, And she's yeah. a great comedic actress. And could you know could yes. take this goofy character and really run with it. Yeah, that's that's uh, I like that call quite a bit, John. Okay. Well done. All right, let's move on to uh, Lurch. I had, had actually kind of a sort of a, a hard time figuring out who I was going to cast. I, ultimately, I, I'm, I'm happy with who I cast, but uh, I want to hear who who you picked first. Uh, I mean, I started with list of tall actors and, <laughs> and kind of went through that, uh, look into it, and I just I couldn't find anybody who one I thought was tall enough that I liked. Um, and then also someone who I, who may or may not be, uh, you know, oh, you're you just may not be a good enough actor who is super tall. But then I f- found someone who I think is actually going to be perfect for it. He's got the kind of tall, skinny look that fits really well. You know, who who better than the person who took over uh, as Chewbacca? I went with uh, Junis Suotamo, who's seven foot two. Uh, and I think he actually has like the perfect uh, lurch look. 
to okay. him. Okay. Uh, I did also. I actually looked at him. I looked at mm-hmm. him. Ultimately, I didn't end up going with him because I didn't want to go height on on height alone. Um, and I actually okay. looked at the at the the height of you know the guys in the movies and the and the original TV show. And and uh, I think uh, I believe it was Ted Cassidy who I think played the original Lurch in the TV show uh, was only six foot eight. Okay. So uh, to me, they just needed to kind of loom over the people who were in there. So this is the, I will say Lurch is the one where I was like, he's not as skinny as I, you know, I, I want him to be. So maybe I'd play up more of the sort of monstrous uh, thing yeah. for it. Which I think in, in the, in the cartoon, he's kind of a little bit bulkier. Yeah. So it just kind of, yeah, depends on the route. But I mean, he's a, he's a great comedic actor and he's already tall. He's, he's six foot seven, I believe. And he's got a low voice. I went with Brad Garrett. Oh yeah. I, I remember seeing him and like, he was definitely on the list of tall actors. Yeah. You know, you, you slap on old school, like old Frankenstein makeup on him. And yeah, he's got, he could do the grumbles probably very, very well. Yeah. Obviously with that low voice. So no, I, I mean, I like that choice. Okay. Uh, all right. Now to one, actually, I was a little bit uh, worried about casting, which is Uncle Fester. And I'll, I've, I let you, I made you go first twice. I'll go ahead and jump in with mine. Mm-hmm. I did have a little bit of a tough time figuring out who uh, Uncle Fester would be. And in, in my head, I was thinking more of the original Uncle Fester than I did Christopher Lloyd. And to me, the original Uncle Fester, like, I think for a long time when I was a kid, I thought that was the same guy who was Curly from the Three Stooges. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it did look a lot like him. Not not only did he look like him, but he kind of talked a little like him and had the same sort of mannerism in a much higher voice. So I was like, I got to find somebody who's just a goofball to do this. And uh, I I think I found him in Zach Galifianakis. Oh, okay. It'd be kind of interesting to see Zach Galifianakis without his like um, signature beard, yeah. you know, and he'd he'd shave all of that and shave his head too, uh, which he's had kind of short hair for the I think one of the f- hangovers before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't dislike it. I, I'm not in love with it, but I don't. It's, I don't. It's, I don't it. think it's a, it's not a, like an inspiring casting, but I think he's a guy who would work. Yeah, I, I agree. I went with a, a similar style to you, where I kind of went back to the more goofball kind of look like a heavier goofball kind of guy. My guy usually kind of is like a sidekick to Simon Pegg and things like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and um, et cetera like that. But I think he can be funny enough uh, and kind of goofy little side character. I went with Nick Frost as my Uncle Fester. That's a that's an interesting choice. I, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I, I don't dislike it. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to wrap my head around about sort of seeing Nick Frost in this sort of a role. Although, I mean, I've seen him do things a little bit differently, so I, there's no reason why that couldn't work. I'll take no reason it can't work. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, now uh, for uh, the ones that sounds like you're least excited to be talking about. Uh, yeah, I just I just picked some kids. I'm sorry, everybody. You know, if you all were, like, excited, like, ooh, who's Adam going to have for Wednesday and Pugsley? I can tell you I just found some kids and I slapped them in the rolls. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't why don't we do this? Why don't you tell us about both of your picks and then I'll go through mine cuz okay. I uh, I I had a little bit more of a thought process when I went into mine. Cool. I for my Wednesday, I couldn't find anybody who like I thought has done some of like the dark acting or anything like that that I think would fit. And I couldn't find anybody like I probably wanted to go a little bit younger. I, I, honestly, I wanted my Wednesday to probably be around like more like ten, mm-hmm. Pugsley to be maybe eleven or twelve. But I just couldn't really find that, so I ended up going with like a thirteen-year-old for my Wednesday and a sixteen-year-old for my Pugsley. Maybe you can make them look younger, um, you know, just through mad, movie magic and shit like that. I my Wednesday 
is an actress who's in a Disney Channel show called Coop and Cammy, uh, and she is, uh, you know, I'm sure I've never seen the show, but I'm assuming it's a Disney Channel show, who, which means she's probably really bubbly. So maybe as an actress, she will enjoy not being bubbly for something and try a different route. Uh, I went with a, a girl named Ruby Rose Turner as my Wednesday. Okay. Uh, yeah. She's a blonde, so she'd have to dye the hair and whatnot, right. but like... Uh, you know, most people don't have that much of a dark black hair. Right. Uh, so that's my Wednesday. And then my Pugsley, I was just looking around for some chubby kids. Like, I who I need a chubby kid. Right. Uh, so I, I found a chubby kid uh, in the movie It, and his name is Jeremy Ray Taylor. And I think he would, you know, look very much like a Pugsley. All right. Well, Adam, uh, I put a little bit more thought uh, into my <laughs> okay. casting. Um, but I will tell you, I also went with Jeremy Ray Taylor for my Pugsley. He's got the look, doesn't He's he? He's got the look, um, and I, I think he because Pugsley, like to me, Pugsley is not the best of the two children. It's always been Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. And, and having that sort of like sort of horror cred with it, I think would would help. So I I actually like the choice of Jeremy Ray Taylor because I also chose him for my Pugsley. Thank you. All right, similar castings. Similar Woo! casting. Um, I did not really want to go younger. I actually wanted to go a little bit older with the kids, maybe put them in high school, even maybe if it's, you know, freshman, sophomore year or something like that. Mm-hmm. In my head, I wanted this to be even darker, even more a little bit adult. Okay. And I looked at a bunch of other people to Wednesday, and I kept coming back to this girl, and shit, I probably cast her several times already, but I don't care. I went with Millie Bobby Brown. Oh, gotcha. She's about the same age as Jeremy Ray Taylor right now, so. Yeah, and, and, and those, you know, you never know. Like, those characters, they are supposed to be, like, probably just a year apart or at most. Right. I mean, she's a good she's a good little actress, and she can definitely play, like, the haunting kind of character. You know, her 11 has moments like that. So, uh, no, I like that. I like that call. I mean, I, yeah, if you want to go with the older high school stuff, um, she's she's a good choice. But, yeah, we keep, keep going with the kids. We kind of keep going back to the same, so. But yeah, no, I I don't shit on that. I think she's a good little actress, and I hope to see her continue to do yes, more. As long as it's not Godzilla. <laughs> I never saw. I didn't see the second one. What I, was the second I one? didn't either. I've heard that. Uh, what I you know because I saw the first one and I was kind of largely disappointed with it. Yeah, yeah, it, it was okay. And I didn't necessarily feel like I'd wasted my money by going to see it, but uh, I you know I was I wasn't inspired by it, and I didn't go see the second one, but my wife did. And basically, it's like if you like monster fights, that was a good one to see. Mm-hmm. Okay, which, I, you know what, I I think I've got it on my Netflix queue. If you're going in to basically just want to see, I just want to see a movie of just, you know, monsters attacking each other, this is, that's the movie for you. Cool. Uh, well, I do see on Millie Bobby Brown's IMDb that they've already, they're already working <laughs> on, on another one. Godzilla vs. Kong, so there is another one all coming right. and she'll be in that All right, one, so. whatever. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to Morticia. Adam, why don't you jump in with this one? I had a hard time finding a Morticia that I liked. Um, I honestly did kind of like Charlize Theron as a Morticia. She has that, you know, long, tall, slender look to her, similar enough with an Angelica Houston, but she did the voice of Morticia on in the movie that came out this year, the animated film. So I was like, no, I wanted to stay away from that personally, so I didn't cast her there. And I just couldn't find anybody that I, well... Thinking about it, thinking about it right now, I th- I like maybe someone like a uh, Kate Beckinsale. She's got that long, long, slender look to her that that fits really well. But that's not who I went with. Okay. Uh, you know what? I thought it, this would just be kind of a, a cool little casting. She's not tall like 
you know, her mother was. But I thought it would be kind of interesting to put Christina Ricci as my Morticia. I thought that would be something different. And she's, I mean, she's definitely a sexual being in some other movies that she's mm-hmm. done. And maybe you can get her on some high heels. So I thought that would be a really kind of cool thing. Uh, she doesn't have the perfect look, but she was the perfect Wednesday. Maybe she'll grow up to be uh, the perfect Morticia. Interesting. Very interesting. Because that's who also I went with was Christina yeah. Ricci. Oh, wow. I, in fact, that was the first thing I put down. I was like, I want Christina Ricci <laughs> as my Morticia. Okay. There was a picture going around the internet for a while that was sort of a picture of Christina Ricci as Morticia. And oh, yet, oh, I didn't see that. And uh, yes, she she isn't uh, as tall, I don't think, as the other one. But honestly, to me, it do, that doesn't matter. Um, it's the ad, it's the attitude of Morticia that, that's important. Yes. I've loved Christina Ricci as an actress for so long. I love seeing whenever she pops up into things, and I think she'd work really, really well. Yeah, I mean, she would also bring a little something to this movie that has been like, oh, wow, Christina Ricci, who was Wednesday, she's playing Morticia. That is something I'd like to see. Yeah. And I'm looking at the picture right now, and I think that, that actually works pretty well, uh, The her as uh, Morticia. Uh, they give her a lot more cleavage than uh, <laughs> in that picture than Angelica Houston, but uh, you know, that's that's just whoever whoever did that Photoshop. <laughs> I, well, I will say this. I think my, what they may have taken that from is um, there was a uh, Adam's Family musical, um, and I actually saw it when it came to Vegas, and hmm. the... Um, lady who plays Morticia wears a very much like Elvira dress that's just this v, oh, okay. like d- very deep V cut with a lot of, of cleavage hanging out. Like so much so that they did a Q&A after the show and the first question a lady asked was how do those things stay in? <laughs> like they did a Q&A and some lady up front like that was the first thing that was asked. Wow. And so I, I, I think maybe they took that from there because that's, that's exactly how they portray her in the musical. Okay. Which was okay. It wasn't great or inspiring or anything like that. Well, you know what? Maybe my casting is a little bit better than I thought because, you know, we've been on a simpatico on a couple. So, yeah. And, you, and you've and you said some of my others aren't all that bad. So, cool. All right. I'm feeling I'm, I'm feeling more confident. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really, I don't think I've hated any of the ones you've you picked cool. so far. So All right. All right. Now to Gomez. I'm going to go ahead and jump in with this one because mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned not picking someone who was cast in the in the uh, in the animated one well I cast my Gomez as Oscar Isaac before I looked it up to see uh. that it was Oscar Isaac so I kept it in because I was like okay first of all who reminds me of Raul Julia and if yeah. you ever saw the movie uh, Sucker Punch Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily a great movie, but Oscar Isaac is in it, and he plays kind of a creepy guy, and he's got that same pencil-thin mustache that kind of Royal Julia has, and he looks very much like him, and he's a great actor. He's you know now he's he's very well known. I'm like, there's no reason why Oscar Isaac couldn't do this. He's only a year older than Christina Ricci, so they're the same age right now. Mm-hmm. He's got that matinee matinee idol look that Raul Julia had, and he's a good actor. There's no reason why he couldn't do this, so I stuck with Oscar Isaac as my Gomez. Honestly, he was the very first name I put down. You know, even knowing that he was the voice, I think he's a perfect live action cast to it. And that's who I, if I was not, if I didn't impose that rule on myself, mm-hmm. I would have gone with him as well. So I okay. love that choice. That is that is the right choice. So you you win this one. So yeah, I like him. I think maybe maybe Remy Malik could do an okay job. Yeah, you know he's a good actor. So he he's someone else in my mind. But I, Oscar Isaac is probably who I think would do the best job, and he has the best look. Besides that, I, I because I 
negated Oscar Isaac. I had the damn toughest time with this character. <laughs> I just couldn't figure it out. I was like, uh, maybe Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He might be all right. I was just jumping all around. You know, if this was 10, 15 years ago, I think I think Sasha Baron Cohen would be a, a really cool choice because he's, uh, you know, I think he, he could do some of like that outlandish acting similar to what Raul Julia did. Uh, as long as mm-hmm. he kind of reigns in it and doesn't get too Borat-y, you know, he just <laughs> just does he does. But he is a legit solid actor. But I went with another guy who can definitely play outlandish. And when he actually, you know, puts his mind into a part and, and really kind of acts for it, uh, he does a fantastic job. And what I'm kind of thinking of is when he played... Uh, you know, the greatest director of all time, Tommy Wiseau. And I thought, you know what? He could dive himself into Gomez and do a good job. I went with James Franco as my Gomez. I don't love it as much as Oscar Isaac, but I think he could do it. I I wanted, well, I was going to say, I can see it. I can see uh-huh. the connect. I see yeah. James Franco. I can see that. I can, like I see, I have a hard time seeing him acting in that role, mm-hmm. but he's surprised me in the past. Yeah. You know, he's done stuff where I'm like, God, this is horrible. And then he turns <laughs> around and does something. I'm like, well, shit, man, that was really good. Yeah. So I, I'm not, you know, ecstatic about that choice, mm-hmm. but if they announced that this was coming out and he was Gomez, I'd be willing to give him a chance because he surprised me in the past. True, true. And then, and then, he, yeah, you're right though. He does pull out some stuff that, honestly, you think about it, you're like, this is a shitty, this is terrible. Yeah. And, you know, why did you do this? Or you know, you're just constantly like the stoner type or whatever with some stuff. And then he'll bust out some really intense stuff that is like, oh well, no, you're an actor. Uh, you can do whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I'm hoping he kind of pulls that acting route out and not not like a stoner Gomez. <laughs> but obviously, Oscar Isaac is the ideal. He choice. is. He is. You're, you're <laughs> right. You win. You win that one. Well, I mean, you were gonna go with him anyway. I so. was. I, I mean, just you 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 self-imposed a. a ruling on yourself so yeah all right that was our casting or recasting of an adams family movie please join us next time for another top 10 episode in this next one we count down our top 10 favorite hair metal songs if you have any questions or comments you can reach us at blast from our past at gmail.com and if you want to suggest a movie or tv show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast go over to patreon.com backslash blast past cast and pick a tier that works for you to find us on social media search for at blast past cast so until next time i'm john and i'm adam and thanks for joining us see you next time Hey, this is Brent. And I'm Eric. And we are part of the Friday Five Podcast. Yes, sir. We cover everything from the 80s to today. We absolutely do. You can find us every other Friday on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like iTunes? Like Stitcher. Oh, man. Maybe a little Spotify. Hey, and also check us out on Instagram. Absolutely. So come hang out. I think you'll have a lot of fun, and we will see you there. Yeah, bring your Proton Pack and your Ecto Cooler. And maybe some McNugget Buddies.